Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. We love to talk to creative people about how they do their thing. And today my guest is Tom Lank. He is an actor who you've seen in things like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He played Andrew and uh, he was in the Best Picture winning Argo. Uh, he also appears regularly in my Mismatch Game show as Zoe Deschanel. And before that, he was Margot Kidder. And before that, he was Heidi Klum, and he's always delightful. He has a one-man show coming to Los Angeles called Heavy Petting on March 29th. And um, he also has a movie that he made, a documentary performance film called Nergasm, which is going to be playing all over uh, festivals and so forth this coming year. And he's also in the 30-minute musicals this weekend, uh, March 20th and 21st, in the, mu the musical Hook. Those 30-minute musicals are a blast. So that's what he's got going on. Before we get to him, a little housekeeping. If you like what you hear, I hope you subscribe. If you're new to the podcast, I hope you dig it and uh, subscribe, write comments on iTunes. All that stuff helps to grow it. Um, if you want to uh, kick in a little to my virtual tip jar to help me keep the podcast free, you can do that at DennisAnyone.net. And I'd like to thank Mark Wild for his generous donation. Thank you very much. Um, it really helps out a lot, and all kinds of other fun things are happening at DennisAnyone.net. You can have uh, links to my books and things that you can buy on Amazon, and you can see pictures that sometimes go with the podcast. You can subscribe to my monthly newsletter, etc., etc. So um, thank you for, for visiting the site. Oh, yeah, like Dennis Anyone on Facebook, too. That's cool if you do that. All right, that's enough of me. Let's get on with the delightful Tom Lank. Hey there, I am in the West Hollywood home of actor Tom Lank. Welcome to the podcast, Tom Lank. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for having me. I know. I'm so used to you doing the mismatch game, so whenever I come around, you say, Hi, Dennis. Either Hi, Dennis. I always scream at you. Hi, Dennis. You're either Heidi Klum. Hi, Dennis. That's or, Heidi. Or Zoe Deschanel. Hi, Dennis. Or Margot Kidder. Dennis. <laughs> so you're, so every, you know, you're genius. And we've got that coming up this weekend, but this is going to air after that. But um, let's start with Mismatch Game, because you are a legend for the different parts that you've played at the Mismatch Game. A legend. And you, lately you've been doing Zoe Deschanel, and what I want to talk about with that is you answer with crafts. So most people just write a card. You do a whole craft. Sometimes there's glitter involved. Mm -hmm. There's glue I can barely could come up with an answer, let alone craft. Are you sitting over there going, okay, fast, fast, fast. You know, and I always get a sense of like, oh, he looks like, you know, Zoe's almost done with that thing. I'm going to drag out the question or whatever. But um, speed of crafting. Well, so basically, so when I used to do Heidi Klum, you know, I, I started doing like really long answers or I would do right. them in German. And then then she started like, occasionally crafting something right or cutting something up like, or like fashion like run project runway yeah, project things, runway yeah. and then so zoe i just kept going basically none of them are actually the celebrities i'm doing they're all just me when the wig on so and the answer i'm giving is not it it's a hard it's barely zoe deschanel but it's a fun vessel to channel it through well what you capture about her is her preciousness and how she loves googly eyes and <clears throat> look at this painting i found at a swap meet you capture her that sort of, you know, flea market thing, you know. Well, She's the, so cute! The interesting thing is, I'm actually a big fan of hers. I love her. I watch every episode of that show. I know, no matter how many, how good or bad it gets, I, I'm in. It, I, it's so funny, 
I just can't get enough of that show. Um, but it was funny because I was on my way to do the match game and I was getting the Margot Kidder wig ready and I had just watched an episode of New Girl. Right. And it hit me and I just... I think you texted me like day of. I think I I want to be Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. And Um, a lot of people that listen to this podcast, not that there's that many, aren't in LA and can't come and see the wonder of it. There's some clips on YouTube, but um, you prepare, you come in with a whole like trunk full of stuff above and beyond what anyone else does in that way. And I appreciate it. That's all I want to say. Well, you know, some of the people, cause do we, are we allowed to say that you yeah. give us the que- the question? Yeah. The questions, you get the questions in advance. Some people come up with their answers before some people wing it. Some people really go to town. Yeah. Coming up with stuff. I am so lazy, Dennis. I have to apologize. I never, no, you're not. I, I think never, you're the opposite. I never prepare. Sometimes I'll glance at them and see if That's something hits totally me. That's totally fine. You know what? I, you know how, like... Everyone approaches it different. That's what's so like great some, about it. Like, some of our perform- performer friends are really, like, hardcore writers Like wordsmiths. Well. Yeah. yeah. Like, Jackie... Uh, I Some of those people uh, uh, amaze me. I just... Um, for some reason, I need the pressure of the clock ticking right. to have... I think I have to, like, tap into the muse or whatever it is because I can't come up with anything ahead of time. So That I've really just, surprises me. Plus, you're crafting while you're doing it. So, so you're making a clay pot and thinking, okay, I, okay, now I know the answer. Yeah. Well, I like the, ch- <laughs> the challenge of having to make the craft right there. So a lot of people ask me, like, do you make those glitter cards? Like, In cause advance. Because if, like, the answer is, like, you know that we do dirty answers. And yeah, stuff. you can so say whatever like, you want on here. But like, vagina or like <laughs> clit dick or something. I'll that my answer. I'll be the, taking the whole time to like cut out a like a vagina and a clit and then glitter it and add paint to it or hot glue it. So I'm doing all all of that right then and there. And so people, and coming up with the answer. Yeah. So people think I'm making the craft ahead of time because yeah. you can't really see what our hands are doing. Which we're also masturbating back there. We too. totally are. I wanted to share one more mismatch uh, game anecdote with you. It was a very inspired moment, and then we'll move on to this other stuff you got going on. Um, one time you showed up as Zoe Deschanel and you said, I need an outlet, like to plug something in, but I didn't know what you were going to plug in, and I think they hooked you up with the outlet. Mm-hmm. You remember this story? Yes. And who was on the top? It was Sam and Drew. Sam Pancake was playing Rue McClanahan. Yeah. And Drew was playing Tanya Roberts. And I gave it... Somebody said something about cunt. Like, you can't... Uh, there's no cunt like an old cunt or something like that. And you were already had tension between them because they sort of resent how cute you are. And Sam, as Rue McClanahan said, said, Why don't you sew that, up, that onto a pillow, Zoe? And I pulled out a sewing machine. And Sam didn't know you were going to do it. I didn't know you were going to do it. Nobody knew you had a sewing machine. He didn't set you up for that. It was, it stopped the show for like five minutes. It was so It was insane. the most, that, that was, is one of my favorite moments that's ever, that I've ever experienced on stage. That is. Mine too. Teatro it was, Magica. Because they had no idea it was going to pull out a, a small Ikea sewing machine <laughs> and then start sewing. I had a piece of fabric look, because I was going to do a bit. Um, just like sewing at some point. And I didn't know when, but when he said that, I just had chills up and down. <laughs> you knew it, right? It's fine. Like, this is the moment. Like, you have the card to play. Bam. Yeah. And I just whipped it out. Yeah. And, and what also made it funny was they were so bitchy about it. Well, why don't you just put that on a pillow, Zoe? 
And you're like, I think I will. <laughs> and out comes a sewing machine. And you proceeded to do it. And you were like, what was, was it kind of old like, like you yeah. kind of got the I had spelling. Some, I had some fabric loaded and then you heard the sound of like, <laughs> <laughs> of, of the, um, the fabric going through the, uh, people still talk about it. You know what these, your dogs came in. Oh no, I'm so sorry. No, they're beautiful golden retrievers, but they have the high pro glow. Remember that, that, um, remember that, um, commercial, give your dog the high pro glow. And it was sort of like a golden retriever magicness like like in Xanadu where they glow oh, yes <laughs> they have that uh, alright so you're doing another show you're doing your own show sorry that reminds me I can't get enough when I go to Motherload and they play the Xanadu um the moment where like all this the, this daughters the of Zeus come alive, come alive. I'm, I'm alive I'm alive yeah I'm alive. I can't get over that. There's something so beautiful about the way they animated that. And then Olivia and John, she's she's dancing? Question mark. Well, all the other muses come to live and, and do really like amazing incredible. moves. And she just does jazz hands across the face. And but not like I'm pe- best, peekaboo, peekaboo, yeah, but a jazz little hand. awkwardly. But still, you can't. I can't get she, enough. She's of so it. charming. I remember I was obsessed with her, of course, and. I um, remember cutting out the review of Xanadu from the the Arizona Republic, where I'm from, and the headline was Xanadu Spirit You Away with Video Flare, which is exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> it's exactly what you're talking about. Sorry, that was the that, that was, was the dog sidebar. licking licking a bowl of it's water, not cute. Dennis it's licking so his cute. own crush. I know. Um, yeah, Xanadu. I had a 16th Xanadu birthday party. Fuck yes. Because um, Saturday Night Fever wasn't available at the warehouse to be rented. The warehouse was like the video. Yes. Tape this was where store. you were growing up in Westlake Village, California. Uh, Camarillo. Camarillo, just California. Just Westlake. So you wanted Saturday Night Fever. You couldn't get it? Mm-mm. So for, yeah, I think it was either my 15th or 16th. So we, a few of my friends came over. We dressed 70s and watched um, Xanadu. God almighty. That's amazing. Were and they all into it? Or yeah. were they like, what we were this? weird and we were, I, we were ironically into seventies stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was like nineteen eighty, but it felt seventies. It felt cokey. Felt super. Yeah, cokey. well, and I was in, in high school. It was the nineties, so we were just like, oh, it's the seventies, right? No, no was, but I mean, it was it, it, for all intents and purposes. I once had a club night that I sort of hosted at this place called Pedro's Grill in Los Feliz, and it was called Club Xanadu, and it was a one night only thing. And I made flyers, and the flyer was Gene Kelly, that great still from Xanadu where he's sort of bursting on the roller skates. So I sent all these flyers out. In between the time the flyers went out and the club happened, he died. <laughs> so everybody was getting postcards from me of Gene Kelly, oh God. who's dead, dead, dead. Oh, God. But, you know, we still ended up having the club Xanadu night. And I think Jack may have done his character, his choreographer character, Steve Capizio, when he mm. talked about... What it was like to choreograph Olivia. You're going to dance and you're going to skate. No, she, he goes, you're going to skate and you're going to glow. I have, I, I know this, Olivia. This is what's going to happen in this movie. You're going to skate and you're going to glow. <laughs> and then he talked about, Jack talked about how he had previously worked on Newsies, but he got fired or something. And he showed a clip from it that got cut and it was basically Newsies into like, Bellamy porn, where <laughs> people were like, really young looking guys were shaving each other. Anyway... We do silly shit. Tell us about the one-man show you got coming up. Heavy petting. Heavy petting. Um, it is a show... It's just me telling incredibly true 
like unbelievable, hilarious tales of all the pets I had growing up and how they died in hilarious ways. Oh my god! It's gosh. very dark. It's a okay, very so dark show. Are we talking dogs, cats, snakes? Did you have weird exotic pets? Uh, we had. Well, there was ducks. There was chickens. I grew up on kind of like an old, what was maybe the original farmhouse of the area. Um, it's like an old. Av- Ooh, I sorry, hit the mic. Everyone does that. It's good luck. Um, it was like an old avocado ranch. So we had some land and yeah, there were geese and uh, lots of dogs. It was kind of a little bit of a country road, so dogs were constantly escaping and getting hit by cars and things. Um, one so, the- how many pets do we go through in the course of the show? Do you think like like a couple dozen, like thir- maybe thirty. <laughs> <laughs> and I draw, basically I'm, you know me, I'm, I'm late since I don't prepare any, I'm lazy, so I don't have... You feel the opposite of lazy. Well, since That's I you don't... You saying that, but you feel the opposite I don't rehearse, I don't like to rehearse. Right. And I don't like to write things out and write a script, so I draw this, this big, um, sort of little map, like visual map for me that the right. audience also sees, and it's just little faces of all the animals... Um, and then I sort of cross them off <laughs> as we go along, and I show how they relate to each other. It was like the American Idol chart that I used to have one season, where I would put a yes. to when they got yeah. when they got booted. So it's a, it helps the audience visualize the stories I'm telling, and it also it's I'm cheating because it's actually my script. So I yeah, that's how it. you can follow. Oh, there, it's time for Sparky. Yeah. Was there one pet that was like that you had the longest? That was the one that was like. The hardest blow, uh, the the one we had the longest survived. All of the other pets was our uh, a Karen Terrier, a Karen Terrier we had named Mandy who wandered into our yard. Animals were constantly wandering into our yard. Yeah, turns out she lived across the street, but she kept wandering back, so they just gave her to us. She would rather be with you. Yeah, and she 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 I tell the story in the show, but she ended up she she committed doggy suicide. It's very tragic. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, At the end of her life, yeah. I won't say how she was. It. She was done. Yeah. She was done. Yes. She'd lived in both sides of the street. Mm-hmm. She died off. And when she was 18, she... She was it. She knew it was her time. Wow. Uh, she did something... She... she yeah. Wow. She I'm gonna knew. come to the show and, and, and find out how it happened. Um, the other story that I'll share a little tidbit with you is um, we had a parrot and... That had several, my dad got this parrot when, when I was in high school, and it had several other owners. And parrots, you know, can be live up to like sixty or something. I don't know. Um, so she had all the all these words that she already knew, and she hated. Sorry, she loved men. So she loved my dad. She loved my grandpa. She liked my brother, and she hated women. So she hated my mom, and she hated me. <laughs> and so my dad had taught her to. Uh, he taught her to, how to like sing a little scale. My dad's a retired classical musician, and so the the parrot would anytime he would walk by, she would flirt with him, and she'd go do 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 do. She would sing at him, and right. constantly like do 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 do. So when I would walk by, using its uh, prior vocabulary list, I'd walk by, and it would hiss at me, and would say, "What's your problem, bitch?" <laughs> What's your problem, asshole? <laughs> and this would go on for years, yeah, months, couple of years. I hated it. Finally, uh, <laughs> we uh, one day I walked by the cage. It um, started doing the little. Doo, 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 doo. I thought yeah. it was oh, we were going to be friends. Yeah, now. It's turning, we're to, we've turned a corner. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I took it out of the cage. I put it on my hand. It was perched on my hand. 
Chachampa! Ah! Scream! Throw! <clears throat> Soon thereafter, she went out. My dad also built this large bird aviary, so she went outside to live. Yeah. The bird aviary. But then she would scream, Ah! Help! It sounded like a woman yelling, Help! So um, we got calls because people thought... Everyone thought somebody was Women were being murdered in the backyard. So she finally went to go live at, I think, the Simi Valley Parrot Rescue. Yeah. Where she could be with people like parrots of her own yeah. species. What she, was she, a ho- she was a homophobic parrot. What would she say? To- <laughs> no. What would she say to your mother? I hate crimed. Um, In your own home. In your own home. She would kind of do the same thing to my mom. Like, yeah. we just... My mom and I would just avoided it. Yeah. What was the name of it? Her name was Sarah. Which is like Sarah. a weird human name. That's not Sarah. a good parrot name. Maybe that she was pissed off about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and then I had to, um, I did a, a Pepsi commercial a couple years back, and in the script it said I had a parrot on my hand and on my shoulder sitting on me, and so I had, I had a fear of parrots, so I had to go to a hypnotist and get hypnotized for my parrot fear. It totally worked. I was very relaxed. In fact, I got incredibly sleepy around the parrot. Did you book it? Oh, no, I mean, I was, I had already booked, booked it, it, so I did it. So, so. you got the gig, so now you have to, because in the, in the audition, I don't imagine there's a real parrot. No. So you got the gig, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. I got to deal it. with this parrot thing. Yeah. And it worked, though. It did. Now, I, uh, sometimes will get very sleepy around, like, if someone has a single bird in wow. their Wow. That's so wild. That's my story. So that's one of the, so one in of the, the many in stories the, in the commercial, get. what do you do? You've got it, you've got it perched on your finger? Um, it was a series of Pepsi commercials I did that don't run in America yet. They, they, oh, should we press pause? No, it's fine. Okay. People, um, it's all good. We, it was like a weird, like we're trying to trick our boss into giving us a day off. And so he's, we're pretending we don't see all these things like a horse's a horse mask on someone's yeah. head, a bird on my shoulder. Like, right. so I'm fully not acknowledging that there's a bird. Awesome. So that was the key. I had to be able to not flinch at the bird that's cool and you pulled it off i did there you go hypnotism wow did you think it would work when you went in were you skeptical or or you were like i gotta do something i just was determined you yeah that it's a good gig you know you don't screw it up um and you also have a film nerdgasm i do uh, what's the term that you came up with for it it's very clever well our our friend gabriel goldberg came up with it Uh, it's a documentary um, that is so genius. A, I can't believe nobody's ever. Well, maybe used they that did. But I don't think they have. I think I'm. I think you're the first. So um, it's a documentary about what? It's about. It's basically. It's half documentary, half uh, concert film of me doing my one my so my last solo comedy show that I did, which was called Nerdgasm, um, and it was a lot. It had a lot of stories of um, just sort of like. It was basically when I kind of... Because for a while I thought I was cool because I'm like, I'm successful. I work in the entertainment industry. I made it. But I didn't realize... You know, I I thought I only play nerds. I'm actually cool in real life. Right. So the show was kind of about me realizing like, oh, I am actually... Yeah, that's... A, a real nerd as yeah. well. Um, <laughs> and I have to sit in that. I have to sit in that space. Yeah. And so I kind of go over stuff from my childhood that was extremely nerdy and... Sort of getting to live my nerd fantasy from high school, which was doing a Broadway musical, and so I talk about that. And you did Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages. So there's some stories from that, and um, some fun celebrity stories. And anyway, so we, I wanted to. One of my other theater dream 
Theatre Nerd Dreams was taking um, a show to the Fringe Festival in Scotland. Yes, Edinburgh, so, which I've always wanted to go to, just as a fan. It's incredible. Um, it that every just every nook and cranny in Edinburgh gets turned into a performance venue, and so you can go see a show on a bus at a church at a cafe at a pub. Right. Um, and so we. Uh, we did a Kickstarter thing, and so I was able to take my show to Scotland. Take did you go with crew. anyone? Um, just me and my the camera crew and the director that yeah. were following me. My friend Courtney was a producer on the show, and I had a producer that lives over um, in the UK, so she was already there. And so it was kind of you kind of get to see me um, and my neurotic, anxious side, and how I prepare a show, which is not great. It's I'm I really. Um, had you done it before, though? You'd done uh, I'd some done it. version I'd, of it. I had toured it around. Um, I'd taken it to Toronto and Portland, Seattle, San Francisco. So I did, like, a mini U.S.-Canadian uh, yeah. tour. A leg. A leg. And I'd done it here. And um, so that was kind of the last, the right. last stop on the, on the journey. Now, it, I get the feeling in, in, at the French Festival in Edinburgh... You kind of have to hustle to get people to come to your shows because there's a million shows, mm-hmm. right? Is that true? Yeah, like pe- people are there handing out flyers on the main drag, yeah. trying to get you to come to. You have to kind yeah. of busk to get yeah. your uh, people to your show. But I, I have incredible anxiety about performing for an empty uh, audience, so I decided to just because you're supposed to just get like a small forty seat venue and perform yeah. every day. So instead, I got a three hundred seat venue and I just did one night only. So, but we went over there and rehearsed for a couple weeks. And, oh, great. Um, but we sold it out. We added another show the next day. So it, it was, that was su- the way to do it. It was a success. But now that I've got, like, I want to go back and do it the right way. And it gets, because you really, your your show gets to be really yeah. well crafted and well performed. Right. And you, you kind of trial by fire. And there's four people in there and you do it anyway. And yeah. all, that's what you know, I'm doing sort of a, eight yeah. shows a week. When I, whenever I'm doing a show here, it's I do it once and then I forget about it and then yeah. I try and do it again. And Now, let, you talked about uh, going to Broadway with Rock of Ages. I first saw you do it out here when it was, when they were just starting to get it going, I think. When it was this kind of big warehouse space. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking it was so fucking entertaining and awesome. What was the name of the character you played? Franz. Franz, the German guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, who has his whole... And he wasn't in the movie, right? No, I think um, his part and some a couple of the other parts were combined into Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Her role. Okay. I think she got my song. Gosh, she got your song. She did, yeah. She took your song. It's fine. Don't, is, don't you have enough... Catherine Zeta-Jones? You know, I'm in good company. You know, <laughs> Julie Andrews didn't get to do the movie of My Fair Lady. That's true. That's there's, true. There's so many. Barbara Streisand and Hello, Dolly. Yeah. There's a lot Should of Should have been Carol Channing. There's, it's yes, fine. It's fine. Yeah. But you had the dream to appear on Broadway, and mm-hmm. you did it. How yeah. was the dream different than the reality? Well, you know, when we did the show here, it was kind of more laid back. Like, we're doing a show, and... Oh, you know, somebody might do it this way when... I, I think the main difference between L.A. and New York is as far as theater... Like, musical theater in New York, once you rehearse it... And you, you've right. done performing of that nature. Once you do... It's frozen, it's locked. The show is locked. Locked. And I felt like in L.A. it was almost kind of locked, but we were like, well, maybe I'll do a... Well, L.A. was in this big kind of warehouse venue and... It felt like a party, and yeah. you loved all the songs, and then you were like, oh, this is a real story. I'm really invested in these characters. Yeah. But you went in there thinking, like, 
this is just going to be like this fun nostalgia trip. And so the idea of being on Broadway is like it has to be a Broadway musical now. Yeah. So I think well, it and a lot of some of, like Chris Hardwick was in the LA version. A lot of his lines came from improvising and just throwing out things, and they'd say, "Oh, can you say that?" So a lot of that got, and you know, we all kind of did that. And and then once it's on New York, like there's no, you can't ad lib anymore once it's on Broadway. So yeah. um, that was kind of the main. And I am kind of of the school of like I like to say things a little bit differently. Each night. You like to mix it up. Mix it up. And that does, it's not really, um... It's not how we do things on the Great White Way. No. Which I can understand and respect yeah. because you, uh, you get to depend on certain things and when it, um, it can really throw other right. actors. But I also think Rock of Ages is the kind of show that I think can benefit from a little looseness feeling to it. Well, and then there were some moments that were purposefully left, like, there's a narrator who talks to the audience yeah. and he... It kind of sexually harasses the audience, and then sometimes our audience would join the show. Like, I remember there was a couple of times where people got up on stage, like a well, drunk man. I remember going to it in New York, too. I, you weren't in it at the time, but I was like, oh, they're getting these audience people are hammered. Hammered. More than you would see it, say, they you know, got a special, Helen Mirren show. A special liquor license so that yeah. they could serve drinks during the show, because we did that in LA, because it was yeah. just like, well, we're at a it club. Made fun. And. So, you know, you'd be performing and a, a, a quiet, dramatic moment and you'd hear, can I get um, what, two more Bud Lights? <laughs> and in these cocktail waiters yeah. out in the audience. Of course, I made friends with the cocktail waiters. Of course you did. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a little bit different. Um, both, yeah, I just, it was an But you got experience. to say you did a Broadway musical? Yeah. Damn it. Boom. God damn it to hell. Now, um... Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Um, big role for you. Big show. Mm-hmm. What was the name of your character again? I always forget. His name was Andrew. Andrew. And part of... The people that are fans of Buffy are fans of Buffy. They're hardcore. Mm-hmm. What's that been like to be a part of? Um, incredible. I've, I've gotten to go to so many foreign countries. Where have you gone? Like, conventions and things yeah, like that. Yeah, because I get to go to the like these fan conventions and meet the fans and... Um, do panels, uh, like, I just went to Australia last year, went to Melbourne and Sydney, um, all over Europe. One time I appeared at a Star Trek convention in Germany. It was so strange. I don't know why I was there. But they Um, pay for everything and you get to go? Yeah, it's amazing. Just, one, my favorite trip maybe was the very first one I did, which was in, um, Northern Ireland in Belfast. And I, it just felt like we were in a, because it was the first time I'd done it, I felt, and it was right when the show was still on, and teenage girls were following us around town. You got to feel like the Beatles. Yeah, I felt like like the the Beatles. Like the Boys. Um, One Direction. I keep having to update my references as I'm doing it. (laughs) Oh, wait, I just heard they're over? Okay, I'll come up with some, I'll edit in something else. Um, Five Seconds to Summer is now, is that, (laughs) I think, is that? I, maybe. I couldn't pick them out of a line. I wonder if they were staying at the hotel here. We had a lot of teenage, like, emo, uh, goth teenage girls just hovering on our block because they what, were... Hoping to catch a glimpse of... Five, was it Five Seconds to Yeah. Summer? I can't remember. They're a band. Uh, anyway, so yeah, fun, glamorous European vacations and... Now, the, the diehard fans know every little thing about the show or pick up all kinds of things. Do you ever find yourself on a panel going, God, I don't even remember that day. Like, in other words, yes. do you find that all they the know way more about what it is than that you're talking about than you know, and you have to sort of try to please them. You don't want to say, God, I don't remember. 
sometimes I'm honest about not remembering. <laughs> yes, yeah. I or I just will sit like if they're as if they seem like they're really passionate about something and wanting to know the like the the like well what was the backstory to this and like I'll just give like. Do you ever pull the shit out of your ass? I'll just pull it out. I'll just be like, yes, that's exactly what it meant. And you were right. I just, I don't want to hurt you their You don't want to disadvantage. You know, you nailed it. You're the first, and you're the first person in all these conventions that's yes. really got that. Um, because the, honestly, it's, you know, it would, like, it would be like if I went to a 30 Rock convention. Yeah. I've seen every episode several times. Right. And they're like, no, I, I, I that was a job. I did it once. Like, can you, I just can't sit and watch myself yeah. repeatedly, so... Um, I think maybe I watched them once uh, back in the day just to see what my hair looked like, and yeah. then never again. I bet it looked great. It looked great. It was I had pretty decent hair back then. Um, so <laughs> that yeah, might be I, the title of this podcast. Pretty <laughs> decent hair. So I yeah I don't I just I, I haven't watched my old work enough to, to sure. Know. But they're super into it. Yeah, which I completely support. Um, does do do people want to fuck you because of that? At those things? I think they used to. Yeah. That's... Did you, I mean, not all of them, but, but a few, some of them. But a, but a few, you were like, oh, it's... I, I think the most... can easily drop like that. And most of them were ladies, so it just was fair. <laughs> yeah. That's Sorry. cool, though. It's Sorry, cool ladies. to be involved in something that, that captures people's imagination. Yeah. yeah. I say if being on TV can't get you laid, what good is it for? <laughs> <laughs> I remember going to the... Um, my former boyfriend, John Michael, loved Buffy, and we went to the sing-along version that they did over in Westwood. Yeah. And... I think I went to that. You might have been there. I think John Sweden did a surprise appearance. Yes. You would have thought that Jesus walked in and walked on water. It was so exciting and amazing. People were so into it. Well, it was interesting when um, I... The other movie... The other thing I did with Joss was this Much Ado About Nothing adaptation that he directed. Right, the movie. And we went to South by Southwest two days on a bus. We took up one of those rock and roll buses. All y'all. And yeah, a bunch of the Like cast. you and Castle? Did Castle go? What's his name? That cute guy from Nathan Castle. Nathan Fillion? Yeah. I don't... Th- I think he and the other... Some of the people got to fly. Um, <laughs> the rest of us took a bus. Um, well, that must have been a blast. Or a nightmare. It was both. I right. mean, because it's I've had a hard time sleeping on the in the bunk because I just kept thinking like, oh, Gloria, stuff on tragic bus bus crash. <laughs> and I, I kept thinking, like, is there a way I can strap myself yeah. in laying down? Coming out of the dark. I'm an coming I'm gonna, out, out of the dark. dark. Remember that? Finally <laughs> see the light now. Yeah. Oh, I got that. I know where I got that in my Easter basket. That. that but it was so triumphant. She made it through. Oh, she yeah. fucking made it through. Made it through. Uh, but I yeah. So I didn't. That part was not fun, be, just being trapped on a bus for two days. But the best was... Was Joss on the bus? Uh, he did, yeah. He did okay. it on the bus, yeah. Okay. Um, on the way there, we had, they had, like, wrapped the bus with the giant movie poster. And much ado about nothing. And right. we're at a rest stop in You're Texas. Like Priscilla, yeah. in the desert. And, by the way, like, from here to Texas is nothing but desert. So, right. like, all the advertising they were hoping for was... They, they did it as a big gimmick. That this will get busted. Yeah, but like, who's in the middle of the yeah. desert is seeing? Yeah. Anyway, the people that were seeing it were truck drivers and people at rest and stops. People at my hometown. And one of the truck drivers said, "What's this muchado about nothing?" Which I love because I love muchado. it. He went to Spanish because it does sound like a Spanish word. Muchado about nothing. <laughs> um, and, and you're at a truck stop. You're at a Stuckey's, like getting a Slurpee mm-hmm. and. 
trying to get somebody on the bus to play pass. The ride, the the, the two day ride there was fun, and then the two day ride back. You were like, oh shit. Well, then we didn't have a hotel when we got there, so we were just sleeping sleeping on the bus and showering in our friends' hotel rooms. It was yeah, like it's not glamorous. It was basically we were camping. Yeah. But it was kind of a fun stunt that we pulled. Yes. Gotta get, gotta uh, oh, chance. I know why I brought that story up. When we were there at the film festival, you know, part of part of part of us were like, part of us, part of me, part of me was like, yeah, oh, I'm gonna meet. Oh, it's good to be fancy at a film festival. Yes. No, like everyone lost their mind about Joss. He is a rock star. When you are, go at a film festival, right? I mean, he is. Didn't matter who like the actors he, he's were. Justin Timberlake, and you're like one of the other Jessica Biel. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is he married to Jessica? He is married Did to Jessica Biel. Did they just have a Biel? baby? I don't know. I don't know. That's one I don't get. I don't get. She must be fun, or I don't know. She's got something. Anyway, uh, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, he is, and you know, side note, he's an incredible guy and super funny and. It just, it's sometimes you have to, I just like to, I just have to like take myself away from it and just be like, nope, he's not, just don't think about the fact that he is one of the most successful, smart. And beloved. Beloved. People love him. Incredibly talented people. I just have to be like, no, this is my friend Joss, let's hang out. It's good. Don't think about the big picture. When you have somebody like. It's too overwhelming. It's too overwhelming. But also, I would think, when you have somebody that, that has hired you a number of times, gets you, sees what's special about you. That's an amazing thing, you know, and, and you get to work with them repeatedly. That must be nice. Well, I think so many times you do a movie, you work on a show, and you think, oh, gosh, I got along with them so great. They're going to definitely want to use me. And every- yeah. No. No. It's very rare that you get to work with a director. That's again. cool. You get to be in the Jossiverse. Yeah. Is that a word? Uh, Whedonverse is what they call it's not it. A, the Whedonverse? Yes. Oh, shit. Te- technically That's not speaking. As, as clever as documentary. Not not at all. Um, when you are an actor like yourself who who does stage, you also do, like, television, all this stuff, and you go in for an audition, I've talked to other people about this, one audition could change everything. One audition and you've got the sitcom that runs for seven years or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Do you, do you, can you not think like that or it makes you crazy? Sometimes I... I've, I, I've said this to, to Jack Plotnick out loud before. I said, do you ever think that we're all just walking around just one audition away from friends? Yeah. I saw Jim Parsons got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And I like him. I think he's awesome. But I know ten guys that are just as funny. Or, yeah. You know, you know. I, I tried. Like, I remember reading for that part. Yeah. And they didn't even film it, and I didn't get a callback. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I was amazing and hilarious for that part. Right. A big bang. Um, but yeah, you're just so in a way, it's very. That's a very liberating thought to me. It's very hopeful, and, and it's hopeful. But at the same time, Wait, which thought are we talking about? The thought that it could happen. That you're all every. We're all here, just one audition away. From yeah. something, the next big, great, yeah. wonderful thing. Because it's happened to me in the past, and, and it was so incredible. So I know it's... it, But at the same time, it's also very daunting. Yes, but you, your attitude is right. Because you're having... A, you're going through a shitty thing. Yeah, things can turn around. Something can... Things can turn around. That's a good thing. Or something can happen tomorrow. That's a yeah. that's an empowering thing. You just have to let it, let it not do the flip side, which is like... 
why isn't that me? Why isn't that me? What, what yeah. the fuck? What the fuck? Or, you know, you kind of have to zen it out, right? Yeah, I try to, I try, try to take the zen approach these days because otherwise it just makes you it crazy. If you, yeah, if you don't take the zen approach, you're, I think you're screwed. It makes you crazy. But, you know, it's pilot season right now. I love right. people, oh, I'm out here for pilot season. Yeah. Isn't it such a weird term? Like, yeah. it make, I bet, I guess most people know what pilot season is. Now, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But it sounds like a time when there's just all these like people flying they're, they're planes. Just, well, just, well just yeah. pilots flying in their well, planes. Also that there's something to celebrate when really it's mostly heartbreak. But like, there's a parade. Like, they make it sound like something. Fun. <laughs> there should be a parade <laughs> when there and all these people from New York. And, oh, I'm out here for pilot season. And then like, you see them near the end of it, and they're like, well... you're like, go home. Let the rest of us... Th- we're doing our full time here. <laughs> Let me... I've been... I live here. You go away. <laughs> this is my playground. That's um, right. No, it... Um, it's weird. It's such a... Sometimes I just think of it as like, well, we're all just here dropping our coin in the same slot machine. Because yeah. you never know. You can do an incredible job. You can do a terrible job. And the outcome could be the same or you just never what has surprised me about my trajectory or what I've learned is that it's way more random than I ever thought it would be way more which is disheartening in some ways and then liberating in other words in other ways like so you don't have to beat yourself up so much or you know I used to think well if I I, I can't go and do that fun thing because I have to sacrifice a little and, and then I'll get that offer or whatever no Go do the fucking fun thing. That has nothing to do with the other thing. Yes, work hard, be prepared, do your best, whatever. Yeah. But you don't have to sort of put these restrictions on yourself. Like, you know, we, they always come and say to you and you're wanting to pursue entertainment. If, if there's anything else you can do... Do something else. Do something else. Or if there, if you wrote... If it's the only thing... In other words, you have to have this weird soul element commitment thing or it won't happen. I don't think so. I, it's gonna, it's, too, it's more random than that. Well... I, sometimes people, I remember thinking when I first started out here, you know, oh, I have training, I went to college for this, and then some just gorgeous person said, oh, I think I want to do that, oh, I think I want to get headshots, and then they're immediately right. successful. I remember interviewing and Charlize Theron, and she she talked about, like, while she, she was at a bank, she'd just gotten here, she was staying at the Farmer's Daughter's Hotel, she was in line at a bank, and I think she was having a little disagreement with, or whatever, like... But she sort of had a, a moment, and there was somebody there, and you'd be good in movies, and you should yep. sure allow, you know what I mean? Like, and that was it. But if you allow that moment to be like, but she didn't, she'd never done, Ugh. if you allow that to make you crazy, it will. Yeah. Because the person with years of training and the person with absolutely no training have the same chance of getting yeah. apart. And I think that that upsets some people. It's like it's not fair. So what? Too bad. Yeah, you gotta fucking you gotta zen that shit out. Yeah, or you're, you're gonna go crazy. This week I had this moment where I started to feel like my career was an abusive lover. I felt started to feel like my career was Ike Turner, <laughs> and I'm Tina Turner in like the third act, and everyone watching is going, "Get the fuck out! Leave! <laughs> leave!" They uh, everyone wants me to just show up at the hotel and be I'm I'm Anna May Brown or whatever her name is like. And then the fact that I was able to make that analogy says, oh, I've got a creative spark. That's funny and clever. And I, it is. <laughs> in other words, We're, my own observation undermined the point <laughs> that I was trying to make, and I'm in it. I'm still in it. You're still in it. Well, I'm it still is. still fucking in it. I like to think of it as chasing the drag. Like, we are all drug addicts, and we're all <laughs> looking for the next hot, like, oh, it felt so good when I... 
there's the, the lows are so low, but the highs are so high, and that keeps you coming back. I guess so. And then I also think about people that that chose different paths, but maybe they had a creative instinct for it, and at some point they're like, man, I I I think that regret of like, gosh, I I took something that I didn't love, and I and I committed to it. I had security, whatever. But I always wonder about that other thing. I think I'd rather have done what I wanted and. And oh, I try to qu- I try to quit every two weeks. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but I don't know what the other thing. But it's is always after I'm... just a bad audition or when yeah. I didn't get a part. Uh, but no. then when I think about it, well, I mean, for me, it's too late for me. Right. I'm in too deep. I don't have any. Well, other I feel skills. like I am, but I really like nobody's paying me to do shit. And I was thinking <laughs> of like putting on Facebook some kind of, you know thing about this not because i want sympathy but i need ideas like i need what well, i don't know what that other thing is and if anyone has any ideas i would i would welcome them can we get into tech yeah uh, yeah exactly an app some kind of an app. app anyways but you do what you love and you're getting to do your thing and when did you find a lot of the, the stuff that you're generating now is one person stuff. Is that something that you've always wanted to do? Or was it something that was like, you know what? I love auditioning. I love doing the TV and film things I get to do. But I need something that's mine that I can generate. Is it, was it a way to sort of have some control in a, in a business that has no control? Yes. I, I remember the first time I did this was came out of a meeting with my friend Chris Young at Comedy Central, and he said, oh, well, we should give you a space at the Comedy Central stage, and you should tell some of these funny stories. Because um, I don't do stand-up, necessarily. Um, I mean, I have, I've, I've dabbled in it, um, but I, it, storytelling just is a much yeah. safer, easier... It's, just, it's more of your thing. There's not, I, don't, I, I know, I just can't, I can't come up with <clears throat> jokes. So, um, <clears throat> the... And the first few ones I did, I just, I didn't want anyone to direct them because it's mine. I want the control. It's exactly what you said. I wanted to have the all ultimate control. But I've really seen, especially having to watch uh, all the footage of this Nerdgasm movie um, was a real learning experience. Because I didn't, I had a producer for that show, but I didn't have a director. What did you learn watching it? Get get yourself a director. (laughs) Nothing's precious. Cut. Cut, cut. Everything yeah. needs to be cut. Nothing should be longer. No, nothing's funny after an hour. So get off. Um, so with this new heavy petting show, I've kept it. It's under an hour. It's everything you've learned from doing Nordgasm. Yeah. Although I haven't gotten a director yet, but that's kind of why I'm doing it. I want to practice it, videotape yeah. it, and see if if it has legs as something bigger, of um, more of like a proper one person show. Right. You're starting, you're starting the, the development of it. Light effect, lighting. And sure. Maybe some like animatronic animals. Yes. Die. Yes. I love it. Um, where can people see Nerdgasm? You, is it edited? Is it finished? Uh, our Kickstarter people got to see it already. People love that it. supported us or, you know, uh, gave us money and I should have done that. No, it's fine. It's, Whatever. it's done. It's done. It's happened. <laughs> but, they, um, <laughs> The, so now it's doing film festivals. We just started. It's premiering at the Vale Film Festival. And then Boston. are you going to go? Uh, I can't go to the Vale because I have yeah. to go do my show again. Yeah. Uh, but I think I'm going to go to the Boston um, lesbian, gay, GLB- les- yes. LGBT uh, film festival on April 4th. I love and it. And then I'll hopefully keep getting in. Yay! Fingers crossed for um, festivals for, are fun. Yeah, I like them. Now you also do the 30 minute musicals here in town, which are. 
many, 30, they're exactly what they say, and they yes. take movies like Hook or Top Gun. You played Kelly McGillis in Top Gun, and I kind of think you nailed that to the wall. Oh, that's my favorite one. Why did you love it so much? Because she's such a manly woman. <laughs> it was the way you would stand and try to lean against poles and shit. I'm not a very manly man, but yeah. as a manly woman... You can, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, what, which, what are all the titles that you've done? Jurassic Park, Top Gun, Roadhouse. We're doing are you Hook? Are you I'm in Hook? Peter, I'm Peter Pan in Hook. Oh, wow. Which is playing... Um, got a couple more weekends of that. Uh, yeah. It's just stupid. Like, Tinkerbell's on a fish. She's like a, a 99 yeah. cent store Barbie doll on a fishing pole. What's fun about doing those 30-minute musicals? Because they're super fast and just madcap and... Under an hour. It yeah. does, it's perfect for L.A. attention spans. Yeah. And it's just like, it gets... You get to satisfy your musical theater side, right. but also sketch comedy stuff and... You just because you're a musical, you like to sing, yeah, and you play the trumpet. You busted out a trumpet a number of times at Mismatch. I'm taking bass guitar lessons. Are you? Mm-hmm. I love it. And then, like, I remember when we did a very special Mismatch game when we were trying to uh, get No on Eight um, passed. Yeah, and we threw it together in like four days, and you did Heidi Klum, and you sang a whole song about Heidi wanting to not have Proposition Eight passed. You remember this? Oh my God, I barely. Yeah. And I love when Heidi sings a bunch of German nonsense. You also did Heidi Klum. I had this birthday party in 2006 that was Project Runway themed, right? And everyone designed t-shirts that were my birthday present or whatever. And you were the Heidi Klum. And what I remember the most about your performance was the way you would say Nina Garcia. Nina Nina Garcia. You would always take it like up the octave. Nina Garcia. (laughs) Um... And so anytime I see Nina Garcia, I think of that. I think that's the first time. I, wait, that's the that first time I did, did it, Heidi. That care, uh, Heidi, because you, I guess you knew I did a German thing. I think so. And you said, "Hey, would you be able to do this?" And Sam Pancake did um, Michael Kors. Michael Kors, and I think did Jack do Evie, or did Jack? I don't remember. Tony Tripoli did Tim Gunn. Anyway, that was. That, that party worked. That was fun. It was fun. Anyway, you killed it. You crushed it. That theater's gone now. The fake. The fake gallery's they gone? moved away. Yeah, oh, that was a really great space to do stuff in. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I love when actors say, great space, great, great space. space. Great space. <laughs> I know what I was going to say. The, um, that, there's this whole d- debate with the 99-seat theater equity waiver plan right up, now. Up to date. Get me up to date. Well, I, I haven't tr- really followed it. They're trying... So when you're in equity, you're not... You're, oh, dear. <laughs> Maybe it's One Direction. It's the UPS man. All right. Dogs are fulfilling every stereotype right now. That's okay. Barking at a uniform. That's okay. Um, I think they don't like straight people. Really? My dogs don't like straight men. They're heterophobic. That's the opposite of my parrot. They're exactly. They're making up for Sarah. Yes, I, I can't um, say that name. It's it's a oh, bullshit parrot it. name. Uh, so wait, anyway. So the, right now there's a controversy. Equity wants to introduce this plan where all 99 seat theaters now will have to pay minimum wage for rehearsals and performances, which sounds like a great thing, but the reality is it'll put many of the small theater companies out of business. They can't do it. And all these people in New York are like, yeah. We need to fight for our right to get paid. I don't think they realize what theater is like in L.A. You literally cannot make money doing it. Theater companies exist on donations and right. m- membership dues and things like that. So I just did a, a, 
the iHeart99 event the other night, and it just I was just thinking about this because, you know, why do I do these one-man shows? It, right. Why do we do theater here in L.A.? It's because you need something to let your artistic spirit um, thrive in, I think. And connect to other artists. Sometimes when you're, if you know if you're making your money playing a medical assistant on a TV show, that's great and it pays the bills. It's not necessarily artistically satisfying to say, like, you've got HPV, ma'am, I'm so sorry. Like, that's not going to really get your your artistic rocks off. Doesn't feed your soul. I think that this new... I, I don't ha- I don't claim to have all the answers, Dennis. Right. But I think that this new thing that they're trying to pass may actually hinder the. It, it could be devastating to the shit. Do most scene. people? Do you feel like most people that actually are in the scene that do the shows and stuff are like on the same page as you, or is it? Where's that? Debate I don't know. At? It's also co- it's like Prop Eight. It's confusing the way it's worded. You don't know whether to vote no or yes yeah. on it. Um, I think there's a lot of vocal people who are like, we need to make money doing theater. And I just want to shake them and say, but you're not, you're not working during theater. You're not, it's the people that I think are not working that are upset. In other words, the people that are in the scene that are doing it have made peace with the way it is. They get the way it is. They don't feel like they're being exploited every 10 seconds. They're doing it for the love anyway. If you're in Los Angeles, you're not here to make your full time living as a theater performer. You're here to make money at doing film and TV and that is the reality and then the other side says well that if people were getting paid minimum wage then it would be different and they one of the articles I read said oh well then bigger theaters will start working and more people will come to the theater no the reality is it's really hard to get people yeah you have to keep the theater small otherwise you'll have an empty house every night so that's my soapbox and now I'm getting off one of my favorite things to do is to go see a friend show. The older I get, the more I love it. I don't know why. I like I like being part of that community. I like, you know, you, well, most of them are awesome and great and entertaining or whatever, but I like feeling uh, connected to people that way, especially if there's somebody that I know and that I've worked with or whatever. Yeah. I love that. Well, a lot, so many times they're great and you weren't expecting it, and a lot of times they're terrible, which is just as much fun as it yeah. being great. <laughs> For sure. Okay, you picked a bunch of questions from the observation deck. Should we do lightning round? Yeah, we'll do a lightning round. Talk as long as you want. How long is, a po- is this we can, the longest the podcast, podcast thing, ever? No, no, no. We usually do it for like an hour, so we're in good shape. Okay. And we can go over. It doesn't matter. And so talk as long as you want for each of these questions, and um, don't feel like you have to go fast, but you know what I'm saying. Worst, the worst job you ever had? Mel's Drive-In, Sunset Boulevard, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift, Wednesday through Sunday. Holy shit. Um, I remember NSYNC came in before they were hugely famous and ordered all this to-go food and I had to pack it up. I was a host and they didn't, they didn't tip me anything. They didn't tip you NSYNC, not one, not a penny. No, because I wasn't a waiter. I was the host and they didn't know that yeah. I was doing work for them. Yeah. 98 uh, degrees uh, would have tipped you. Yeah. And they the know. worst thing that ever happened was I, someone was yelling at me for something. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm not the manager. I'm just... I'm just the host. And they screamed at me, that's right! And that's all you'll ever be! Those um, fuckers. Yeah, that's that like horrible. worse than Sarah. Okay, what job were you the most excited to learn that you got? <clears throat> oh, I guess, uh, I remember Buffy, I was in the Bank of America and I got the call and that was just, I, that was a moment I, I, I very ingrained in my head. It was very Did you exciting. know it was several episodes? Yeah, Did it you was know? supposed to be ten, yeah. ten episodes. And you ended up doing... Well, two seasons. Worth, Fantastic. So, yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, what was your most glamorous night? 
this may seem weird, but it was in New Zealand. Um, I went to like the gay area. I was by myself. I was doing a, I was at a convention there. So I went out by myself and I stumbled into this karaoke bar that was super tiny and you would sit at the bar and hold the microphone while you're sitting down at the bar and sing. Right. And everyone there was singing songs from Miss Saigon. Right. It was a bunch of, it was like a lot of the, um, the Maori. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The native people of New Was Zealand. this in Auckland? I get, yeah, I guess yeah. so. Uh, okay. And so it was just like all these Maori ladies and they were beautiful and amazing and singing songs from Miss Saigon and they were into it. And I said, oh my God, I've, I've arrived. And so I sang Why God. Yeah. Which was my college audition song. Of course. And it's like. That's high. That's it's ridiculous. That it's high. so serious. But I sang it like I was singing for my life. Right. And the whole place erupted in cheers. People were like lifting me up, buying me drinks. I don't know why that was so incredible to me. But it, it was, was like, magic. I felt like. It was a dream. It, maybe it was a dream. Maybe it was a mushroom. That's an amazing... I got to go out... Uh, I did a press trip as a travel writer, and I got to go to Auckland. And this guy took me out uh, on the in the gay town, and we went to some drag bar, and there was a big window where they perform in front of... And then during every set, they would go out on the sidewalk, you could see them through the window, and they would just fuck with the people on the street. <laughs> they would stop traffic. They, I mean, it was just like... Talk about breaking the fourth wall. They were like going outside and... Causing shenanigans. They anyway, like to party there. They really do. Yeah. And then I kind of had a little romance with the guy. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I know. It's awesome. That's my... I, I So I can... I understand getting swept away. things happen when you're traveling Zealand. by yourself. It's true. Uh, describe your most unfortunate headshot. Um, it was my <clears> very first one. I had very spiky hair and I was really plucking the shit out of my eyebrows. <laughs> I had Ch- I had Chandler's haircut from Friends, a white Oxford. It was black and white, and the contrast was very high, so it was just like eyebrows, eyes, nostrils, dark background. Smiling or serious? Um, it was like a smolder. Okay. Yeah, all right. It all was right. terrible. It didn't work. All right. Who are your teen crushes? Um, I mean, they were secret. They were very secret right. in my mind, but definitely Zach Morris. Um... Who's he? Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Oh, okay. Mark Paul. Mark, Mark Paul, Paul Gossler. I was a Mario Lopez. I just was really into the double hair tone. Yeah. Like the brown on the sides, blonde sure. on the top. Love it. Um, okay. Who else did I like? The guy that played Parker Lewis, Can't Lose. Okay. Um, Mario Lopez in that in that singlet that he was wearing. That oh, was pretty, shit. That was pretty good. I, don't I, know, like, I like dudes that are bravado dudes, especially darker Latin like, you know, the Eddie, like, Carmine mm. on Laverne and Shirley and yeah. Mario Lopez. Si se, si se puede. Yeah, yes. like, I like when they strut in and they know it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't like the corn-fed as much as the, uh... Apparently I was in the corn-fed for a while. Yeah. But now I, I enjoy all colors of the rainbow. Yeah, okay. What's a voicemail that was left on your machine that you played more than once? Uh, <clears throat> Tim Gunn left me a voicemail one time. Holy shit! I made a short film about it. I did a slightly exaggerated version <laughs> Of his voicemail, of me respond, of me leaving a response back to him. I met him once, and he was delightful and so friendly. And we left, and we played phone tag and left. Him what what was his voicemail like? Um, he was just like, "Oh, we must, uh, we must, you know, do something. You're in New York. Let's please, let's have a drink or right. whatever." And love it. Anyway, he, I just, um, just want him to hold me and okay, tell me everything's going to be okay. I bet he would like that. What's the worst thing that's ever gone wrong for you on stage? 
Um, oh, wait, I chose this card and now I don't remember <laughs> what my answer was. Just a, a little um, behind the scenes thing. We don't, um, they don't pull the observation deck questions at random late, folks. We let them pick before we start, so. Um, well, just having like people joining us on stage during Rock of Ages drunk with the beers, yeah. offering us beers on stage. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I did get kind of sexually harassed from the audience during that show a lot of times. By that women was, or men? Uh, both. Yeah. Uh, one time somebody screamed like, Franz, what? Oh, no, they screamed, Roscoe's! Just kept screaming Roscoe's at me. Why? I don't know. They like chicken and waffles? I have no idea. <laughs> That's not that bad. That's not a terrible That's thing that right. happened to me on stage. Yeah. Um. That's all right. Okay, moving on. What movie have you seen more than any other movie? Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Love it so much. Yeah. What are you good at that might surprise people? Um, I, I'm pretty decent at sewing. Yes. Um, I made uh, my friend's kid's Halloween costume. It was like a rainbow. She was a rainbow, and it was a, she was a rainy day, so she had cloud shoulder pads, shoulder epaulets, and then a, rainbow, uh, a sky shirt, and it was raining with plastic, and then a rainbow sort of skirt. So I, I... As you know, I'm obsessed with Project Runway. I love so it. That kind of inspired me to go take a sewing class at Mood, and now I have mediocre uh, sewing skills. Was it how many days was the class? Was it like it's like a six week come once a week? I love and it. You learn to take make a tote bag. Is that what you use um, the sewing machine that you brought from Mismatch? Is that from that? Adventure? I bought that after I started taking the class yeah. at IKEA for sixty nine dollars. Love it's it. A great starter machine. Yes. Um, what kind of feedback do you often get from auditions, job interviews? Do you always say, what's that kind of thing that the, your agent calls and says that? You're just not Latino enough. Really? Yes. You're not Latino at all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. That's so funny. I know. What are you going to do about it? There's well, I'm in mean a category where um, usually on the thing it says, you know, open to all ethnicities, which right. is great and amazing, and I wish that um, that more roles were like that so that like the more lead roles of shows were cast as non white right. people cuz you um, often play like the the second or third person yeah, and then that, and they they have more they feel that they have more flexibility within those characters yeah, sidekick roles uh, i mean if you just look at tv like a lot of the sidekick roles are are more uh, diverse these days so anyway yeah. so it's a category that is very diverse now and i just i'm sadly not going to be able to fulfill that um that need you for cannot someone do I, did you ever get did the suit ever say something really bullshit bullshitty to you that was like a turn of phrase that was like luke wilson once told me that some agent told him that he was the cornerstone of young hollywood you know those weird things that people say like Oh, gross. I know. Oh. You know, like, agenty. Uh, um I remember I had this headshot, like, a quirky headshot that I really liked, and it looked like it was kind of like an editorial. It was more of an editorial shot. Sure. And a producer said, did the photographer tell you to make this face? <laughs> right before I was about to audition, and I thought, oh, okay, well. We're off to a good start. Yeah. All right. What project have you worked on that you feel has been the most underrated? That little sleeper that you're like, gosh, I wish more people had seen that. My nerdgasm, because yeah. no one's seen it yet. That's good. It'll be under it. No. Uh, I think I loved the Much Ado About Nothing. I wish more people would go rent that. So rent it. I will do that. I'll put it on my Netflix queue. What's your favorite bad movie? Oh, boy. <laughs> it's not. I actually think it's a good movie, but a lot of people make fun of it. Romy and Michelle. Yeah. 
Do you think that's a bad movie? No, not at all. I think it's I think it's a fun movie. I think it's a fun movie. And I got to meet the writer recently. Um, the writer was one of the judges on this Writers Guild um, thing that I just, uh, program that I got into. And, and she liked my script and we got to meet. And she told me a lot of the fun backstory about Romeo and Michelle and about how, like, when it first came out, the studio really didn't think they had anything. Or, you know, they put it out or whatever. Yeah. But it was one of those movies that became a cult movie. And, and now there are people that quote the lines and they're working on a musical. I did a reading of the musical. Ooh, who were you? Um, did I play the Alan Cumming role, I guess? I, I can't love it. remember. But that the writer was yeah, there. Robert it was a very Schiff. casual. It was yeah. like the first draft so, they were doing. They're working on the. They're working on a musical. That would be just, amazing. I could watch anytime. That it's one. Of, it's like Overboard is another yeah. one. It, I don't ever want to own either of those movies because I just like it to be a happy accident when you turn on the TV and it's on and yeah. you can just go. Oh, I have to watch this now. Yeah. Because I can't watch it any other way. Yeah, that's great. Favorite waste of time. I mean, Netflix. The Kimmy Schmidt. I just. It's not a waste of. T- I mean, I have you gone watched, the deep? Have you done the deep dive? Because I've only watched the first episode. I did the deep dive. I did it. I all. love it. I did it all. Is it wonderful? It's. I love Thirty Rock, and it's a more insane version of Thirty Rock. I love it. Here's what I think about Thirty Rock, and I love that show. I feel like Jenna is a gay icon, way more than like Madonna or Lady Gaga, because I think gay people live for her. And if you ask, like, straight people about 30 Rock, they're, they're, they, they don't even remember. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a divide between the way gay people and straight people experience Jenna. Because I want Jenna to be shot right into my blood. Like, I, <laughs> I could... When, like, you know what there's I'm, so many things saying? about, like, like, how she's actually white trash. Like, the, the was the Tampa University of Dramatic Tricks or whatever <laughs> that she went to school at. I, I'm but, obsessed with Jenna, is my point. But I don't feel... I feel like she's a... Not a not a mainstream taste. I don't understand why everyone isn't as obsessed with Jenna as I am. Is my point. I'm obsessed with Jenna. Thank you. Well, you and I, and her gaze. And now the character that she's playing on Kimmy Schmidt is amazing. Is, it's almost like the next level of Jenna. I feel like it's, it's it has a similar tone of like rich, entitled, insensitive, narcissistic, narcissistic. I just. Desperate. Oh, I just love it. But by the way, I'm going to go on record saying this. Titus, the character of Titus and yeah. the actor of Titus is maybe like the best gay character on television. Well, right I love now. that, even just in the pilot, I, I just love that that guy's front and center, you know? Front and center. He is singing. So There's so much singing that he yeah. does. He's so funny. So lovable and just you just hope the best for him you just want him to make it and he just does oh i just can't get enough of it do you did you ever do 30 rock or audition for 30 rock have no. you ever gotten to meet i tina Fey's on my dream board by the way because i too i literally i i just admire um i think she's really talented but i also feel like she's been able to keep a point of view and a bit of an edge without making enemies like, she navigated whatever the politics are at Saturday Night Live. And, you know, you never know. She navigated that beautifully. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she didn't burn any bridges. But, you, you know, what I also have a lady crush on her. Yeah. I, and I, she's gotten better and better and better, especially at acting. I just remember when I would watch 30 Rock, I I had the feelings of, of being like, oh, I I love her so much. 
I just know she would like, we could be friends. If only she met me, she would love me. We are going to get along so well. I yeah. went to like a crazy fan. But then place. you find out people that you know in your life that have hung out with her. And you're just like, fine. Okay, that's great for you. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, Plotman got, got to hang out with yes, her. Yes, so right? Fucking jealous. I know. Um, I, anyway. Ugh. She's just Why great. couldn't NBC figure out how to make that work on NBC? I guess it's I, I better think, on Netflix. But you know what I mean? It's not like they have... What, I, I, what I've been told is that they made the whole season. Yeah. And then NBC said, we can't do this. And that that we don't have a place for it. I think it was... It's schedule. just so... I, Maybe it's for the best. I mean, 30 Rock wasn't... It was a critical success for them, but it wasn't a big number yeah. success for them, I guess. Which is shocking to me. So... In, in that way, like, it's even weirder than 30 Rock. Yeah. Like, the tone of it. So, I don't Maybe know. Maybe it's as it should be. I think it's a better... Yeah. But I look at NBC going, like, you're in the position to, like, you know, pass yeah, on something. Figure it out. Like, this is the greatest <laughs> show ever. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's not like you're like, well, we don't, we don't want to bump, bump any of our big hits. All right. What else well, we that got? That was a big, that was um, a big tangent. Uh, describe your most unfortunate haircut. When I was doing Book of Liz at the Blank Theater, I wanted to have oh, that was so genius, by a the way. really weird haircut. So I got, it was a bowl cut in the front, like straight bangs, straight, like very dumb and dumber bowl cut in the front, but then short on the sides and long mullet in the back. And, and you it did was, it for the, the role? I did. But then it was but, like, oh, we're extending for a year. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to, no. You're going to let it go. Yeah. You're going to let it go. All right. Uh, what's the worst costume or uniform you've had to wear for work? Um... Unitard. Sparkly Unitard. I mean, it was beautiful, but I just... What was it for? For Rock of Rock Ages. Rock of Ages, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Had a, I had a rip-away reveal. Um, Moment. And there was a dance belt underneath it, and so the dance belt's too tight, so then you kind of muffin top out the top of that, so then the, the spandex is just sort of caressing you in all the wrong right. ways. Yeah, I can relate to that. I recently have been buying books, copies of my novel on Amazon for a penny mm-hmm. because I, I'm trying to give them away to people that like my pilots. That's what I wrote. Whatever. It's good to have them. Yeah. And occasionally you'll get a book back that is used and that, that that's, they're all used, but some that you've signed already to somebody else and given them away. <laughs> and I got one back that was written to Neil and David. Uh, great meeting you guys. So Neil, Patrick Harris, and David Burka got rid of my book and um, it got, it's, I bought it back on Amazon for a penny. Uh, and, but the weird thing is I met them at a dinner party and David had told me how much he liked the book. So whatever. Like it was like that. My other thing was, well, they so read it and they, they put it out in done, the world for they someone. They want to share it. Yeah. You know what? They're not, I think the moral of the story is they're not selfish. They want to share. Yeah. yeah. But the other one that I got, and this is the Unitard thing is dear Eric, thanks for the great editing job and for staring at me in a Unitard for far too long. No idea. Did Who you Eric make a is? Short film about where I wore a unitard? I have no idea what that is. But um, apparently, I, I hired a guy named Eric to do some editing, and I was in a unitard. And did you just do some sort of dance fitness? I have no idea. I wish. Thing. Oh God, was I in a workout video? I didn't remember. Anyway, Dennis, anyway, you've got to cut back on. All the heroin that you're doing. <laughs> anyway, I was in a unitard and I couldn't remember. Okay, what else What else have we got? What's your best random celebrity sighting? Well, I was hiking Runyon last week. Recent. And I saw Joe Jonas. <gasps> Shit. 
Wait, which one is Joe Jonas? Joe Jonas is the one that used to be the cute one before Nick Jonas became a fucking knockout. And Nick's the one that was grabbing his crotch lately. Yes. Okay, so not Nick. Nick is was definitely still Joe. still get jealous. I just thought that was Justin Timberlake. I know. Um, I, so Joe Jonas. Joe Jonas. He's the, one the pretty one. The pretty eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him. What was he wearing? Sunglasses and some sort of workout outfit. Yeah. And then right He wasn't shirtless, though. No, not shirtless. Right behind him on the trail was... Uh, Dane Cook. Nice. They were both coming down the stairs. Uh, nice. Out, uh, Runyon. Although, I feel like everyone, he's at Crunch a lot. So yeah. You've, you've seen him. Dane Cook or, or Joe Dane Jonas? Cook. Yeah. Dane Cook. Dane um, Cook. Jonas is good. It's good. Was he by himself? He was with a friend. Okay. Nice. Um, All right. That's good. I like I'm it. I'm to think who else. I think he, was he the one that, t- he dated Taylor Swift and, I don't know. Anyway. That's that's good. what I've got. That's I know I've, I've I like the good jo- celebrity sightings. But I just can't remember them now. Yeah. What kind of driver are angry. you? Angry, so angry. Are you an angry driver? I'm an angry Prius driver. I don't like. I get really mad when people are jaywalking on Melrose, especially when it's if it's like a lady wearing high heels and she's on her cell phone walking slowly, and then she puts her hand up. This is obviously a very specific instance. Yeah. She puts her hand up for me to be like, she's like, oh. You need to stop from... Like, no, you literally are breaking the law right now, which is fine. You can do that. Just put a little pep in your step. Like, get off the cell phone and stop walking so slowly if you're going to jaywalk. And it's constantly happening. People think... Anyway, I'm so angry. Okay. This is the epicenter of it, though, right here on the Smellrose, yeah. Kitson, oh, Robertson. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worst job you ever had. We, we made talked it about back. It. We did it. We did it. We did it. The one thing I wanted to ask you about is you went to college at UCLA. I did. You got this Carol Burnett scholarship. Oh, thing. yeah. Did um, you ever meet her? I or did. Was that? Okay. Yes. She, there was this musical theater workshop that was at UCLA for many decades. Um, she had, she'd come out of the music department and theater department at UCLA back in the day. Um, and someone had given her this anonymous money, it's a famous story, to move to New York to try and make it. Um, and she, I don't think she ever found out who... Somebody just believed in her and said, here's some money. Yes. Okay. So, with the caveat of, of if you are ever in the position to do the same thing, pay it forward. Right. Is caveat the right word to use? I think so. Okay. Um... So she, so every year there was this competition in our musical theater class. You had to be in the class and you put together like a five minute scene and singing, dancing, whatever you want to do. And, um, so I transferred to UCLA, UCLA as a junior and I ended up winning. I think I tied with somebody else. We both won. Uh, but I got money from Carol Burnett, and it paid for books and um, tuition. I love it. Did she judge it, or was it? She didn't judge it. No, they would have you know various panel or you know famous judges. I can't remember who it did. Who did it? I think Karen. Oh, she's a famous musical theater. Why can't I think of her name? Ziemba. Karen. She. Um, well, I'll have to text. No worries, it's not, it's not important. Um, but you got to meet Carol. You had a moment with Carol. Uh, the next year, we went and watched her rehearse with um, Frederica von. Her name's Flicka. She's an opera singer. Okay. They were doing a show somewhere, and they were rehearsing at CBS, and so we got to watch them rehearse. And I've been working in the prop shop, right? And apparently, Carol years prior. I don't know if her, her ex-husband had donated all this stuff. So we had all this Carol Burnett stuff in the prop shop. That at UCLA. Just, yeah, and we were, they were cleaning it out. It was going to go to the garbage. So it was a picture of Carol Burnett and 
uh, the woman who played that bumbling anthem bewitched who talked like this. Like, Esmeralda? Uh, uh, yeah, Aunt Esmeralda. Is that Maybe. There was, yeah. And so it was in a frame, and so I brought it with me to this rehearsal, and I said, hey, I found this in the prop shop. Do you want it back? If not, will you sign it? And so she signed it for me. She signed it. That's yeah. so cool. She's super nice. I love it. People say she's nice. You do a lot of different kinds of things. What would What's something that you haven't done yet that you would like to do? Do you ever, like, oh, gosh, I wish I could go in for that kind of role? or You know what I mean? Is there something that, like, you feel like you've got in you that you don't get to use very much? Um, you know, I've not done... Um, I always thought I would have done more, like, a stuff that plays at Outfest more, you know? Right. Like at a gay film festival piece. Right. Um, but... I haven't, I haven't really done that. Right. Um, I've played, like, support, like, a couple supporting parts in some gay indie films, but I always thought, like... It'd be good to have your, like, a weekend movie or a... Yeah. yeah. Is that weird for me no, to say? No, I love it. I think but it's awesome. I just haven't done that, and... But part of me, the judgmental part of me, just goes, oh, well, the reason you have it is because you have to have a poster with someone's shirt off, and so... And they're very... You know, I get very, right. I get on a soapbox about, you know, the types of films that are being made or whatever. And I, I, apparently I feel entitled. Yes. To, you should. You should a, be in one of those movies. You should. Gay, you should. You know, I want to play the, the, just the every man. Right. I don't have. Are you a fan of looking? Great apps. I watch it sometimes. Yeah. All right. I love Girls. Girls has got so good a couple I weeks ago. I love it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know why uh, looking... It's controversial, isn't it? People are like, this well, doesn't represent me. Yeah, somebody... Everyone is, like, freaked out that it's not a documentary about their lives. You know? Like, you know, like, the, I guess because we don't get a lot of gay shows that everyone decides that... The one that's I don't see on, me in there. The one that's on has to be the perfect one. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why I got so excited about Burgess on... Or sorry, Titus, Patrick, Titus. Titus Burgess on... On that Kimmy Schmidt yeah. show, because it was kind of everything I wanted in a gay yeah. character. And I love the gay character on Empire. I love Jamal. Oh, I, just, I just started my friend Danny Strong, created co-created that show. He's the shit, Danny Strong. Oh my god, just... I love that show, because it's got the soapy stuff, but it's got, like, real humanity to it. It surprises you. Don't, spo- don't spoil anything anyway, from Anyway, Jamal's I got awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, looking, I haven't really... It's fair enough. I don't know why. I think because I like more... Either either I want to watch The Killing or I want to watch Kimmy Schmidt. Right. You I, either want your drama or your comedy. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's an Looking does have an interesting um, tone. It's sort of yeah. a dramedy. I don't... But I just... I kind of... There was an episode a couple weeks ago where Doris got to sort of take center stage and you know, uh, Lauren Weedman, that actress, mm-hmm. and she killed it. It was a great episode. So, anyway. I'll have to start watching it. Seek that out. Um, what about your life now would blow the mind of your 12-year-old self? Um, oh, the, my 12-year-old 12 12 self would have just been so thrilled that I was doing commercials. <laughs> that was my big dream. What was your a, big, most lucrative commercial? Because well, I live close enough to LA to where my parents could have driven me to right. auditions, but my parents both work, so that wasn't a possibility. Right. Um, I just wanted to be a child actor selling Transformers on commercials. Yeah. So that, to me, that I, I've even gotten to do that. And I still do commercials. And the fact that I've done that would just really titillate my... He would super be into that. Yeah. What's the 12, the- also, 12-year-old me... Well, high school me thought I was going to play the Phantom of the Opera. Like, that's 
yeah. what the trajectory. I right, thought, right, right. I was, I thought Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar, sure. Phantom, maybe the lead in Ragtime, perhaps. <laughs> um, you know, just leading me. I thought I was going to be a real leading man, so that didn't necessarily well, turn it's not, out. It's the never way. too late. But you know what? What I love it. Character actors have a more longevity. What is it? Longevity. Sure. What do you love about performing? I'm not. I'm not I don't need my looks, Dennis, is what I'm trying to say, to, to keep working. Once the You're once my beauty fades... Uh, cricket. Cricket. Okay. Your beauty's not going to fade, um, first it, of all. No, it's fine. Don't. Stop. Stop. No, you're adorable. Stop. Thanks, Dennis. So and the nerdgasm poster is really funny, too. Well, smoke and mirrors. Yeah, it's Gary very cute. Gary Goldberg made me look really good. Sorry, what were we, what were we well, saying? Why do you like to perform? Um... Well, if I trace it back to why I started performing when I was a kid, it was kind of a safe place for me, I think, to get attention, but it was okay to be getting attention, and right. I could say, oh, I'm good at, th- I can do this. Back then, I, I, it was, looking back, I was kind of the only one who was able to perform at, like, at my age. I, there was mostly girls that wanted to do it, so... Um, you got to feel special. I got to feel special. Uh, you know, big fish, small pond. Sure. Um, but definitely, you know, I was a nerd and got picked on a lot. All the all the standard stuff. Right. Was, there was a few years where school wasn't great. So performing became a real outlet for me to, because um, I was very shy and I sort yeah. of got to be, um, come out of my shell. And now it it's just, um, performing, especially live, is just... You know, doing mismatch game is so fun. It's uh-huh. so ridiculous and stupid. And just knowing that the audience is having as much fun as we are, hopefully. Yeah, know, it's, a communi- it's a communion with, with somebody. Yeah. You were also an Argo Best Picture winner. I forgot to bring that up. You carried um, that film on your back. I did. I'm yeah. pretty sure I'm the reason it won all the awards. And did you get a SAG Award, too? Because of I did. I wrote a letter to the SAG Awards that was humorous in tone, and I... Mentioned that I had recently auditioned to play a plate of nachos, an anthropomorphic plate of nachos. <laughs> and I was said, I'm curious if everyone in the movie gets a SAG award because it would make me feel better. About having auditioned to play a plate yeah, of nachos. Yeah, as a character actor, I'm, you know, yeah. constantly being humiliated. <laughs> um, I love to put an award on my fake fireplace mantle. Right. Um... And so the SAG Awards wrote me back and said, um, we're happy to tell you that you did win a SAG Award. We'll be sending it to you. Hope it makes you feel better as you nacho your way to the top. Oh, I love that. They were so... I love that they were... And they to sent it to you. They sent it to me, and they said, hopefully it'll look good in a, in a fancy frame on your fake fireplace. So is it a trophy or just a certificate? It's a certificate. Oh, okay. I'll get it for we'll you. We'll take a picture of it. We'll wrap it up and then we'll okay. take a picture of it. Okay. Okay. So how can people learn about Nerdgasm and your show? Um, you can go to the World Wide Webs. Uh, if you look at my Twitter, Tom, Tom Link on Twitter. Okay. I put up the information for my show. Awesome. Uh, March 29th, Heavy Petting. It's at yes. the Three Clubs Bar. They have like a theater. Love a it. theater in the back. I love <clears> it. There'll be cupcakes. I bring cupcakes. And there's a taco truck outside. You have to buy your own tacos. But yeah, you, but that's pretty sweet. You can bring them inside if you want. And you have your website, too, don't you? Do you yeah, have a website? Tom Link. I, Tom Link. I don't really pay attention to my okay, website. Okay, so it doesn't always have the information on it. Yeah. Well, Tom Link, thank you for doing this. You inspire me. 
you do all sorts of many different things and you do them uniquely and you bring your own thing. And I know you feel lazy or whatever, but I always think when you walk into Mismatch with that box of stuff, I just think, gosh, what a treasure. Like, I, I, I really appreciate the thought and the... Like you're you're gonna make clay pots on stage, and if every character did it did that, it wouldn't work. And part of it is that people do their own thing. But I'm always like, I'm always, and when you did Margot Kidder, you would stop at Seven Eleven and you would buy different beverages, different things to consume. And every time I cut to you, you were popping open another alcoholic beverage or whatever it was, and that couldn't have been cheap. That was probably like. No, but you know, I like to support the... The Gay and Lesbian, gay and lesbian Center. Center. But like, when you would go to 7-Eleven for Marco Kidder, what are we talking? At least 20 bucks. At I was least. like 45 bucks on on like a big jug of Chardonnay and a 40 of And each one of those things beer. was one joke moment, but it was a moment that killed. Well, I'm a, pra- <laughs> I'm a practice. I like props. <laughs> but um, every... What would happen is like, it's your turn to talk, and I would say, Margo, and you would pop open something. So that you wouldn't be able to even really answer until you had done a drink or whatever. It became this running bit that cost you at least... Because, because I'm too lazy to actually come up with jokes. But it's, to me, it's the opposite well, of lazy. That's I my do, point. I do good with a dude, with due dates and assignments, Dennis. So thank That's you, right. Thank I understand that. assignments and due dates. All right. Thank you so much, Tom Link. Check out all this stuff. Bye, and Dennis. You're a national I'll treasure. I'll see you the same. Say Nina Garcia one more time. Nina Garcia. <laughs> Thanks again to Tom Lank. Check out his shows and love him in every way possible because he's awesome. Okay, so this happened. I made a music video and a song. It's true. I uh, teamed up with Matt Zarley and Tom Goss, who have both been on the podcast before, and our other friend Jeb Havens, who should be on the podcast soon because he's awesome. Those three guys are all really talented singer-songwriters, and they have great stuff out on YouTube and on iTunes, and they're always generating, and they're so talented. And I had this idea that I wanted to do that song, St. Patrick's Day, by John Mayer. It was on his first album. Not a lot of people know it, but I've always loved it. And I always I always think of it around Christmas time because it sort of starts that way. And then, um, I don't know, I was talking about it with Jeb or, or Matt or Tom, I don't know, one of them. And before you knew it, Matt had gotten a guitar track by the guitar player he always uses. And we had this track, and we're like, okay, we're going to do this song. So we all recorded our different parts, and then we came together last Thursday and shot a video, a music video, like 7 in the morning. We were done by 10, and we're going to post it on St. Patrick's Day. So it was so fun to do that again. I really love making music. I haven't done it in so long. And those guys were so incredible, and they all know their stuff and they're so like mixing and okay this one will mix and then that one's gonna knows how to use the gopro and then we're gonna do that and it's just i i'm so honored to be their friend and to get to collaborate with them and um it's something i put on my dream board music in 2016 so there you go so it's neat. I'll make sure I put a link to it on um, the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. The video, we're all in a car, and the idea is the idea of the song is that you know you start dating somebody around November, and you you don't know how long it's going to last, but you hope it gets you through the holidays because it sucks to be lonely on the holidays, and that's the idea. Like we're going to be okay at least till St. Patrick's Day, and that's the the premise of the song. So there's these different car rides. The whole video is pretty much shot in the car. And, um, we're with different people like Matt and Jeb sing a verse together and I sing my verse with Tom. So the idea is we're sort of, um, 
a couple maybe dating, but it's new and you don't quite know. And so, um, so I was sort of playing that I was dating Tom and, you know, it was new and we liked each other and, but you don't know. And then uh, like halfway through the shoot, Tom was like, so we're just all friends like singing together, right? Like he wasn't playing that intention at all that we're dating. So I'm like, yeah, okay, that'll work. (laughs) So if you watch my face closely, it's basically me in a relationship with someone who, who isn't that into me. And I think it's pretty much indicative of, of everyday life. Um, but I think it's going to come together great. Actually, he we had some sweet moments. I think it'll play fine. But it was kind of this moment of like, oh, oh, I thought we were all like being um, lovey-dovey people. But anyways, I love those guys. They're awesome. It was such a fun thing to do. And I hope you guys enjoy it when we... Um, posted on St. Patrick's Day. All right, that's it for now. Thanks again to Tom Lank. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye!